I'm Kevin Huffman with Kevin Huffman Farms, McGregor, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA supply and demand report last week really boosted corn prices. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Learning more about soil health can help farmers have more success in capturing rainfall, reducing erosion, and cutting expenses. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about an upcoming event in Lubbock that will focus on the topic of soil health. A diagnosis has been released of a deadly disease that has impacted horses in Texas and other states. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have that diagnosis straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. 2023 is here, and although it will take me a while to learn to say and write that, there is a lot of activity for the new year here on the Rolling Plains. Hello, I'm Barry Muller, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Corn prices have moved higher following last week's USDA final production numbers for the 2022 corn crop. USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer says the cut in corn production was a surprise, but not really if you take the Texas drought into consideration. When one looks at corn, it wasn't a yield adjustment. As a matter of fact, there's a slight yield increase. It was through a decrease in harvested acres. They actually dropped acreage, harvested acreage, 2% from the prior estimate. And I, I think you and I can agree that conditions have to be pretty bad before you abandon corn acres and you don't harvest it. But things have been pretty bad in some locations like Texas and Kansas and through that area. The final 2022 corn production estimate now stands at 13.7 billion bushels. That's 9% lower than last year. The market has rallied nearly 20 cents since the report was released. Now looking at the Texas crop estimates in the report, Texas corn production forecast at 153 million bushels. That's down 35% from last year. Statewide yields average 95 bushels an acre, 33 bushels lower than 2021. Corn acres harvested for grain now stand at 1.61 million, down 13% from last year. Supply chain issues were a big problem during the 2022 growing season, but input companies are taking steps to keep that from happening this year. Kenny Melton of Lubbock is BASF's Western Region Agronomic Services Manager. At last week's Beltwide Cotton Conferences in New Orleans, 
He told us they're taking proactive steps for the 23 crop year. We've gotten a lot of information out to the channel, to the distributors, about how our cotton varieties supply is. And a very important point, so right now, besides Ingenia, we also offer Liberty. And Liberty had, last year, had been under some constraints and it was, there were some concerns around having it available for the growers during the growing season. This year, they have added in a Liberty reservation tool. So when you book your seed, you're able to put in that reservation for the Liberty. So it really gives you good assurance that you're going to be able to get Liberty to be able to control your weeds. It's especially important for FiberMax because, of course, FiberMax does not have ExtendFlex technology in it. Melton feels that cotton growers are cautiously optimistic heading into the 23 growing season. Improved soil health can be a big asset to farmers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt visits with one farmer who's a believer. Barry Evans is a farmer in Cress whose crop mix includes cotton, sorghum, and wheat. He's a no-till farmer, and in practicing that approach for the past 25 years or so, Evans has learned no-till offers many benefits. I really started no-till to try to build some residue to stop the dirt from blowing. But what I have learned since then is that is definitely an advantage, but especially as our irrigation water declines, capturing rainfall is just everything. You know, that is, I just think the secret to making things work is to capture rainfall. You know, most of our rainfall events come in big spurts or little spurts, you know. We don't have much average rainfall, and by reducing evaporation, capturing the rain that falls, and by leaving residue on the ground, that's how we capture that rain. And so I have learned that that's really been bigger than anything. You know, there's a lot about soil biology and soil health that I think is kind of an untapped learning area. But more is being discovered about those things, and a nonprofit organization made up of local farmers, including Barry Evans, called No-Till Texas, is once again putting together its annual event to help other producers gain knowledge. The No-Till Texas Soil Health Conference this year is February 14th and 15th at the Overton Hotel in Lubbock. A bunch of topics related to soil health are being covered during the two-day event. The cost to attend is $75 per person, which includes lunch both days. Once again, that's February 14th and 15th at the Overton Hotel in Lubbock. To find out more about the program lineup for the symposium and to pre-register, you can go online and search with the words No-Till Texas Soil Health. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Veterinarians have finally diagnosed the disease that caused several horse deaths in Louisiana. Tom Nicoletti has the story. For the past few weeks, we have been following the story with Dr. Bob Judd, a Waco veterinarian, about a mysterious disease that has affected horses from the standpoint of it being a deadly disease and also a disease that is sickening the horses. Today, we have a diagnosis. Dr. Judd? Yes, Tom, we do. Uh, This is a story we first reported on in the middle of December. Now, the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry, in cooperation with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and the California Animal Health and Food Safety Laboratory has confirmed the presence of Clostridium botulinum type C in alfalfa hay cubes 
linked to the death of at least 20 horses in Louisiana. Now, this involved in a multi-state epizootic of equine botulism and linked to the same hay cubes. This has also been connected to 28 similar horse deaths in New Mexico, Texas, and Colorado, with many other horses becoming ill from the disease. Certainly, this diagnosis of botulism is a serious situation. Botulism is one of the most potent toxins in the world. So this is extremely serious. So many horses have not survived, and there may be other horses that are still being treated for this condition. So we really don't know the total numbers of deaths and sick horses at this point. The company that produced the alfalfa cubes was Manzanola Feeds there in Colorado, and it's the Top of the Rockies brand alfalfa cubes that have been recalled. So if anyone is feeding that, they need to stop feeding it and contact the company. That is Dr. Bob Judd. He is a Waco veterinarian. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a lot of activity in Rolling Plains agriculture as 2023 gets underway. Barry Mahler has an update from Wichita Falls. As 2023 rolls in, one would think that we would have a little catch-up time in agriculture, but there's a lot to take care of right now. And Well, let me tell you about it, what's going on here on the Rolling Plains. The dry cold spell that hit Texas the week of Christmas is causing some major concerns for wheat producers as it set back an already late crop. Dry, hard freezes tend to burn the leaves off young tender wheat and slows down the progress. We saw temperatures in the single digits for several nights, and it was even worse when you get up into the panhandle. The leaves are turning brown, and that means they'll have to be regrown by the plant before it continues its journey to maturity. A good bit of this crop was planted later than normal due to a dry fall and needed every day it can get to grow off. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. It also makes the crop more sensitive to damage by insects. It's just weaker than it should be this time of the year. And there's some producers spraying mites right now. That makes the cost of production even higher by adding additional inputs. The winter grass, it's a staple for grazing of native grass, was burned also by the cold weather, and that'll limit the number of cattle that can be overwintered. The cattle market is a big topic of conversation as the numbers are down significantly due to the drought of last summer and fall. Now, ranchers are hoping that the shorter numbers will support a higher market into next spring, but that's going to depend on the overall economy and whether it will support beef consumption at higher beef prices. We'll have to wait and see on that one, but been holding up pretty good so far. Congress is getting organized and ready to go back to work for the new year, and that's good as the existing farm bill begins to expire by the fall of 23, and many of the provisions that we do business by will have to be rewritten or readopted. One of the more important parts is the funding of federal crop insurance, and that's vitally important to the ability of farmers and ranchers to borrow capital to run their operations. Crop insurance is probably going to be the number one topic as the debate starts. At the same time, the Texas legislators meet for their every other year session with decisions to be made on many things dealing with rural Texas. I'm sure we'll be talking about the power grid and water and well, all those things that we talk about here in Texas, and it'll be February before things really get going down in Austin, but it's important to stay abreast of the discussions and the decisions that are made that will affect your life in rural Texas. There's some good news, though, as the stock show season gets underway for our 4-H and FFA students. It's always good to watch them compete with a lot of local and county shows early in the year, and that'll be right ahead of the major stock shows that will be coming up between now and late spring. All in all, the wheels of agriculture keeps turning, and and it's good to know that our farmers and ranchers will be there to produce the food and fiber that we all require. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. 
Controlling feral hogs requires an integrated approach. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And scours is a common problem in young beef calves at this time of year. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Scours in young calves is a common problem this time of year. Dr. Bob Judd says it's important to stay on top of the problem in spring calving cow herds. Scours is one of the major illnesses that causes sickness and death in young beef calves. Calf scours cost the producer a lot of money, even if the calf survives due to cost of treatment and the time required to treat the calves. Studies show most of the calves develop symptoms within the first two weeks of life as they are susceptible to infectious organisms transmitted from three to five week old calves. One method of decreasing scours is by using the Sand Hills calving system that was developed in Nebraska. Basically, the Sand Hills calving system includes a scheduled movement of pregnant cows to clean calving pastures to minimize the amount of disease-producing organisms that can affect newborn calves. Using this method of calving, all pregnant cows are turned out on the pasture at beginning of calving season. And then every two weeks, the cows that are still pregnant are moved to a new clean pasture. This prevents older calves from contaminating the pasture and infecting the newborn calves. You will need a few pastures to do this. But not as many as you might think, as all of the calves over four weeks of age can be mixed together. I know this seems labor-intensive, but it's not really as difficult as it sounds and can really help decrease infectious disease, including scours. You will need to make sure you have enough shelter in all of the pastures for the newborn calves, and you have to be able to check on all the cows that are calving in all these different pastures. If you have had problems with scours in the past and have multiple pastures, ask your bovine veterinarian, or search the internet for more information about the Sand Hills calving system. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Controlling feral hogs requires an integrated approach. Jessica Domel explains in today's Wildlife Report. On our last show, Zach Davis, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Agent for Hill County, told us there are several ways landowners can control feral hogs. They are trapping hunting, hunting with dogs, snares, which are a form of trap, contraceptives, and aerial hunting. But which one should you use? Well, Davis tells us that when it comes to controlling feral hogs, more than one approach is needed. It's going to take an integrated approach, and we recommend that. You can't just trap them. You can't just shoot them. So you're going to have to do one and another and possibly even another, like you said, two or three options to to be able to get any kind of control. There are pros and cons to each method. 
Hunting can be effective in terms of pressure, and so we could pressure them out of an area with shooting, but in terms of control, for the most part, we're going to take a limited number at any one time, and so again, the, the most effectiveness that that's going to offer us is pressuring them out of an area. In Texas, a hunting license is not required to hunt feral hogs. However, it may be a good idea to have one on you just in case. There's no requirement for a hunting license. Uh, thanks to some legislation that was passed in the 86th legislature, what I recommend, though, is to consider the situation and potentially what wildlife season is it when you make that determination, but no license is required. He said, for example, if you're sitting in a stand hunting feral hogs during white-tailed deer season, that may look suspicious to a game warden. He also recommended if you're hunting feral hogs at night that you let the local game warden know what you're doing as a courtesy. We'll have more on feral hog control on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We did not have any market trade in the agricultural markets on Monday due to the MLK holiday, so we'll take a look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. That's coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Friday. Live cattle closing mixed with feeder cattle finishing lower. February live cattle up 17 cents, 157.72. The April down to at 160.90. June live cattle up 15 cents, 157.07. Feeder cattle lower, with January feeders dropping 87 cents Friday, 181.25. March feeder cattle down $1.40, 182.87, while April was down $1.35, 187.05. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up the week, selling cattle a dollar lower at 156. Earlier in the week, we expected the market to move higher, but that just didn't happen. Feedlots finally gave in and took a dollar lower, selling cattle at 156 here in Texas. When you look up north, dressed cattle sold at 250. That's two bucks lower than the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up 94 cents Friday, 278.43. Select up a dollar three, 258.04. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Jody Fry from Producers in Cargill, San Angelo, sells them on Thursday. He's our guest today. Jody, how did you sell them? Had good numbers. 1635 was the total uh, this week, about 500 head more than the uh, week before. Had some pretty good quality cattle on offer. They were trying to trade lower. Today, I'm calling these cattle kind of 3 to $5 lower. Slaughter cows and bulls calling those 3 to $5 lower. Once again, this week, we sold a very limited number of bred cows and pears at about steady price. 
prices. Steers, four to six hundred pound steers, better quality kinds, from one fifty up to a high of two twenty five, mostly one sixty five to one ninety five. Six to eight hundred pound steers from one thirty five up to a high of near one eighty five, mostly one forty five to one sixty five. Better quality heifers, four to six hundred pounds from one thirty up to a high of near one ninety five, mostly from one fifty to one seventy. Slaughter cows average high yielding from sixty to seventy four. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from seventy five to high of eighty one. Thinner or lower yielding type cows still some of those from thirty five to fifty five. Slaughter bulls average high yielding from seventy five to ninety five. Some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from ninety seven all the way to a high of one oh nine. Red cows and two year olds, a few young cows, medium to heavy bred from eight hundred to eleven hundred. Cow calf pairs, a few young groups of pairs, uh, just a few of those from eleven hundred to a high of sixteen seventy five. How you feeling about sales next week? I think more of the same on the sheep and goats. 4,200 was the total last week. Look for cattle numbers to back up a little bit next week. I'd say somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 to 1,200 head. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed. February hogs dropped 10 cents, 78.65. While the April contract was up 10 cents, 87.27. Class 3 milk lower, January milk down 6, 19.46.100. While February milk was down 11 cents, 18.67.100 weight. The cotton market closed slightly higher in Friday's trade. Poor export sales continue to keep a lid on this market. Thursday's export sales report showed that cumulative sales for the 22-23 year have reached 8.856 million bales. That is down from almost 11 million a year ago, and it's the lowest level we've seen since the 2016-2017 season. March cotton up 25 points Friday, closing at 82.29, May up 33, 82.60, while new crop December cotton was up 71, closing at 80.79 cents. Continued follow-through higher in the grain markets following Thursday's bullish USDA crop production and supply and demand reports. Of course, USDA lowered the carryout estimates for both corn and wheat in the report. That boosted prices Thursday and Friday. March corn up another four cents, six seventy-five a bushel. May corn up four and a quarter, six seventy-three and three quarters, while September was up one and a quarter, six fourteen and a quarter. Wheat market higher also. March Kansas City wheat up eight and three quarters, eight forty-three and three quarters. March Chicago wheat up a penny, seven forty-three and three quarters. In the energy markets Friday, February natural gas down twenty-two cents, three forty-seven. February West Texas crude up a dollar fifty-one, seventy-nine ninety a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 65 points, 34,255. The Nasdaq up 47 at 11,048, while the S&P was up 9, 3,992. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.